Welcome to How Do You Write? I'm your host, Rachel Heron. On this podcast, I talk to authors about how they write, what their process is, and how their lives fit together. I'll keep each episode short so you can get back to writing. Well, hi, writers. Welcome to episode number 21 of How Do You Write? 21 already. If this podcast were a person, she could go out and get a drink. Um, I talk about a little bit of wine with my friend Grant Faulkner today on the show. Really wonderful to talk to him. He's always funny and smart and is really a good guy to talk to about writing and the craft of writing. He, after all, has a day job doing it. He runs NaNoWriMo, National Novel Writing Month, which you may or may not have heard me talk about. But uh, just for those who might not know what it is, I realized we didn't talk about it on the episode. And it is during the month of November. You can sign up. It's an online literary lark at NaNoWriMo.org or National Novel Writing Month. And in the month of November, you write a book. You write a 50,000 word book. That equals 1,667 words per day, which is entirely gettable and doable. It does mean you have to challenge yourself. It does mean if you don't want to write on Thanksgiving Day, then you need to write before or after, store up some words. But um, my very first NaNoWriMo novel attempt in 2006 became my first published novel by HarperCollins in 2010. So, and I'm on the writer's board. Um, I love NaNoWriMo. I can't talk about it enough. Uh, You may have heard Chris Beatty on episode 15. He founded it and Grant Faulkner, as I said, is the executive director now. So um, he continues that tradition to this day. So enjoy that. I know you're going to. Just a bit of a catch up before we turn over to the interview section. Uh, yes, I turned in my book last week. I can't remember if I told you or not. I turned it in on Wednesday and, uh, then I took a few days off, did a little bit of plotting over the weekend and I have leaped back into the next one, of course. Um, this is a short one, a romance, uh, more of a novella length, and I'm hoping to have it off to my editor by Thanksgiving which means that um, I don't have, I'm not teaching that week because it's Thanksgiving week. So I'm going to have some time off. I'm going to take time off. I'm going to not write for maybe like a week or two. This is what I'm thinking. I'm doing a little bit of pre-gaming of NaNoWriMo, I will admit. Um, But it would be really, really nice to have a week or so off. I'll still be doing other things like essays and working on a couple of other projects, but perhaps no new writing. Um, The only other news is that Venice is a real, real go. I think I mentioned it, but we are up to capacity. I have one space left. So if you are thinking about trying to come to Venice and uh, participate in the writing retreat in spring, which is basically just going to be me teaching workshops in the morning for five mornings. And then in the afternoon, we're just going to traipse around the city that I love so much and that I know so well. Um, uh, You can go floating down the Grand Canal. I know the secret way, which is not actually a big secret, but it's a secret way of riding in a gondola for less than $150. Uh, You take it you take one of the Trigetto across the canal. It's it's exactly what all the citizens take all day. That's how they get from one side of the canal if they don't want to walk to the closest bridge. And it costs about a dollar. And you stand up <laughs> with 
six or 12 other people and you go between the bus boats and the Vaporetti and, and all of that. Um, so that's really fun. We could do that together. So I'm very excited about that. And just a lot more writing in my week to come up. So I hope that you are getting a few words done this week. Um, please write to me or tweet to me. I'd love to hear about it. And now on to the interview portion with Grant Faulkner. Enjoy. Hey, you're a writer. Did you know that I send out a free weekly email of writing encouragement? Go sign up for it at rachelherron.com slash write. And you'll also get my Stop Stalling and Write PDF with helpful tips you can use today to get some of your own writing done. Okay, now on to the interview. Okay, well, I would love to welcome Grant Faulkner to the show today. Hello, Grant. Hello, Rachel. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. I'm so excited. Let me yeah. give you a little introduction so okay. people know who you are if they don't already. Uh, Grant Faulkner was born and raised in Oskaloosa, Iowa, which is a uh, word I've never said before, Oskaloosa, <laughs> and it's just as fun as it looks. Um, he earned a BA in English from Grinnell College and an MA in Creative Writing from San Francisco State University. In 2011, he co-founded 100 Word Story, an online literary journal that publishes stories that are exactly 100 words long. And in 2012, he became the executive director of National Novel Writing Month, which you know is very dear to my heart. He took over from the founder, Chris Beatty, who was actually on episode 15. Uh, NaNoWriMo is the largest writing event in the world. And Grant lives in Berkeley, California with his wife, the writer Heather Mackey, and their two children. Hey, thank did, you. Did I say Oskaloosa correctly? You did. And, you know, I've, I've never had anyone introduce me by mentioning Oskaloosa, so I thought you were going on this whole crazy biography. No, I wish I was. I, I was, like, feeling a little nervous about what was going to come up. <laughs> and so, in college, he... Yeah. Can we do a separate... Uh, podcast just on Oskaloosa. I would love that. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. What is Oskaloosa like? It is, is it a very typical Iowa small town, about 10,000 people. I'll just say two things. I, I detasseled corn for six years oh. when I was growing up there and we used to scoop the loop. So this was obviously pre-internet, pre-cell phone because scooping the loop was essentially like texting people. You would drive in your car. It's, it, it's like in the movie American Graffiti, they do that. You drive back and forth on the main drag of town, oh. basically looking for people. I don't know. You're just you're just driving aimlessly and that things happen. Sounds kind also of the, terrifying to me. The movie. No, no, not terrifying at all. It's super fun. <laughs> and the, the movie Dazed and Confused also. I'm going on a tangent here. We should we're going to talk about writing. Yeah, writing, days. writing. I never get to talk about Oskaloosa. I talk about yeah. writing all the time. Yeah, Oskaloosa is fascinating. And they have one of the best bookstores. Ooh, in the world. well, Iowa. It's in an old bank, and they converted all the vaults into little book cubbies. Okay, that's really cool. Yeah. Someday yeah. I'll go. Yeah, do, do. I recommend it. Well, let me jump into your writing process. Okay. Uh, when is the best time of day for you to write, and where do you write? This is a very interesting question. Um, I've had a lifetime of sleep problems, and fortunately, those those weird sleep problems are now serving me really well because mm. no, ma no matter what, I wake up at like four thirty every mm. morning, and it's it's just really wonderful time to myself. No one in the house is awake except my dog. My dog sits on my lap, and I write for probably about an hour and a half each morning before my dog then proclaims it's time to, to be walked. And you told me that you. Uh, you actually put your laptop on top of your dog, right? Yeah. I have like been working on that with Dozy. He's, yeah, he's like a lap 
yeah, a lap dog lap desk. That's um, amazing. And, and it's the perfect height. Like he <laughs> just has a body that's, you know, about that big and it's just the perfect ergonomic height. I so, have literally been working on that with my little dog. I, good. I just yeah, didn't I know recommend. that was a possibility and now I have an extra writing tool. Maybe we should collect like a lot of author photos of writing with, gonna, with or on their dog. You should send me one if you okay. can get one and I'll put it in the show notes and I'll put mine on there too. Okay. I, I've got a couple. I think they're on Twitter. So okay, I'll just perfect. forward one. I will say though, other than that sort of uh, writing in the morning, mm-hmm. I, I think like there is no perfect writing time um, as like a hard, hard enough working parent. Um, mm-hmm. so I try not to think about the best time to write and think about just when time is available. Yeah. And so I recommend to a lot of people to, you know, really seize those odd moments, those nooks and crannies of the day when you might have, you know, five or 10 minutes after dinner or, you know, five or 10 minutes at lunch. You know, I think those, those times can be really, uh, fruitful. Which is super useful during NaNoWriMo too. Exactly. Exactly. And that's one of the lessons of NaNoWriMo for yeah. me. Yeah. yeah. And how do you write when you're... Yeah, obviously you write on top of your dog. Yes. But on the computer. So do you do anything in longhand, any journaling or? You know, it's so funny. Um, I think about this a lot how, I don't know if you started out this way, but you know, when I first became a writer, uh, it was pre-computer or it started about when computers were starting to become really mainstream. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I wrote stories out by longhand and then typed them onto the computer, mm-hmm. like literally typed them I remember doing that. Um, with whiteout and stuff like that. <laughs> and it's a very interesting process. Sometimes I think about returning to it. Um, and I think, uh, I definitely oftentimes have undervalued writing longhand. Um, so I try to like, especially when I get blocked or just need a, a break from that crazy screen. Um, and, and cause the screen kind of boxes me in, in some ways, I think, um, mentally. And so I'll, I'll take a break and this can happen in revision too. And just write for, it could be like five minutes, could be 15 minutes, could be for an hour. Although my hand for some reason doesn't have the stamina. Mine doesn't I, either. I cramp yeah. up. Yeah, it's like so strange. Um, maybe I need to exercise it more, right? Longhand more. But uh, no, I find it really, it's its like just interesting how when you slow down your thoughts and kind of the tactile nature of writing with a pen, I think it changes your creativity somehow. And so I would like to do more longhand writing. I'd even like to revisit writing things in longhand and then typing them on a manual typewriter and just seeing how that changes things. Um, well, yeah. and the editing happens naturally from the page to typing it, like the editing yeah. happens while you're doing it, which is what I really remember getting exactly. a lot out of. Yeah, you're reimagining what you wrote. So it's yeah. almost like you're you're doubling down, you know, you're getting double out of it. Yeah, I'm yeah. to try that too. Yeah. What is the worst writing advice you've ever been given? That is a really good question. Um, I think like 99% of the writing advice I've been given is good. You know, oh, that's good. Useful in some way. <laughs> it's hot. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I haven't been given a lot of bad writing advice, but I will say when I first decided to become a writer, <clears throat> um, I remember this one dinner with my parents and uh, a friend of my parents. And the friend uh, was just really uh, kind of questioning, very bewildered by my, you know, my career choice, you know, and I obviously had no plan B, you know, so I think he <laughs> thought I was being reckless and all, you know, all nature of practicality and, you know, finances and stuff like that. And so he wanted, I think he wanted to really help me, you know, make a living. And so he told me to, you know, just go and buy the top five books on the, you know, fiction bestseller mm-hmm. list and just study what they did and do exactly that. Just kind of replicate those books so that I too would have a bestseller. 
Um, and, and on one hand, so I'll say that's not exactly bad advice because I think there's a lot to be learned by studying any novel that's successful. Sure, so story structure. And, yeah. Although I think what he was really recommending was that I make my writing into a product. Mm-hmm. That wasn't the reason I got into into writing. You know, I got into writing to express myself, and you know, I, I think of it as a sacred activity, um, and I'd like to. You know, I like to be surprised by my writing. I like to pursue questions. Yeah. It's it's a search. Um, so it's, I don't I don't I don't want I don't want to make widgets. Right, right. Um, and so yeah, so I, I fortunately I, I knew that that wasn't my path, so I didn't do that. Um, and I think every writer, no matter what form you're writing in, you know, uh, somehow your voice, your story has to get into that form. Wouldn't that yeah. be something though? If you could go become a bestseller just by doing that. Well, that's the other thing is that I, you can't do that. You can't do that. Yeah, or we I, all would have done it. Even we if we don't want to make widgets, I'd like to sell more of the books of my exactly. heart. Exactly. <laughs> I'll make the occasional widget, I don't, you know, but then I'll do my other stuff. Widgeting, you know. widgeting day job. I love, like, I love that we had this whole, you know, industry, all these very smart publishers and editors and writers. and yeah. <laughs> But only you can replicate that bestseller list. No one's yeah. thought of this yet. Exactly. My wife, Lala, often tells me um, she, when we want like a jacuzzi or, a, you know, an expensive trip, she, she always says, why don't you just write a bestseller? Yeah. And it, that, the joke never gets old because I always say, oh, you're right. I had yeah. not thought it. I'll just do that. So yeah. I'll just whip, whip that out next time. Yeah. <laughs> I've been avoiding right. that as hard as yeah. I can. Why not? Why not? <laughs> or, you know what? I got one, one better. Uh, write a bestseller and then sell it to the movies. Yeah, everybody's always offering that too. Like, oh, always. you should sell that to the movies. Right, they should make a movie out of that. Why don't you do that? I will get right on that. Your lips yeah. to God's ears. Yeah, exactly. I hear that's a really good way to make money. Yeah. I would like to find out someday. Yeah, yeah. What uh, what secret writing tip of awesomeness have you discovered the hard way? That is a really good question. I bet there are a lot of them. Um, I always, I always think, I, and this is like one of my favorite writing tips: is kill your darlings, mm-hmm. and. Um, I think every writer finds it out the hard way. In case uh, somebody doesn't know what that means, can you explain Yeah. That? So I think William Faulkner said it, and it basically means that some of those things that you're most attached to, that feel most precious, are the things that are holding the story back. And and so you've got to identify what's holding the story back to start with. Uh, but then you have to get rid of it, you know, which is really, really tough. And I think it's just like a tough, uh, it's more of an editing exercise than a, than a, than a rough draft exercise. But it's always tough to get rid of that paragraph or that chapter or that whole middle. Mm -hmm. You know, every time I talk to a novelist who's published, they've always scrapped like the middle or the beginning or the ending. Um, And it's a very tough psychological um, thing to do. And so every time and and in fact, I'll take it a step further. I've gotten rid of my darlings and I and I put them in like a a file called, you know, called dump. Mm hmm. Um, which is ridiculous that you're keeping your dump, you know, you're keeping your, you're keeping your garbage. Yep. I do too. My, my file is called cuts. Yeah. Yeah. And and why keep it? You know, really, there's no reason. There's no reason. And I, there, I always have some idea that I'm going to go back to it for some wonderful purpose. But what happened in one novel is I, I went back to it and I loved all this stuff that I'd cut, you know? So then I worked really hard to find a way to bring it back in. Um, which is horrible, like just a horrible thing to do because you're just, you know, you got rid of that stuff for a reason. And, and did you yeah. bring it back in? I tried to, <laughs> <laughs> I probably added an extra year to the process because you know, <laughs> either oh. it's in there and it's not doing anything and yeah. needs to be cut again or, you know, so yeah, I think, um, 
there should be, you know, I think it's like a Buddhist thing. You just got to like relinquish attachment to it and, and, and trust that, you know, your, your ability to decide that that was holding the story back is, is like good, you know, so get it out of there and see what, see what happens once it's gone. That is a really lovely way to put that. I love that. I can still remember one chapter that I just thought was the best thing I'd ever written. And I moved it to maybe six or seven different places yeah. within, within my right. second novel. And it, it just never fit. And the edit, my editor just right. kept coming back and saying, nope, nope, still no, nope. Yeah. Got to go. <laughs> One more time. No. Well, well written, Rachel, but it doesn't, it doesn't. Yeah. And I finally, yeah. that's yeah. how I learned. Maybe someday there'll be like a whole market for like writers, like darlings or the, or the cuts. You know? That's actually kind of a great idea for an anthology, you know? Yeah, an the, anthology your favorite of, cuts. Yeah, Grant Faulkner's dump folder. <laughs> Again, everyone would be flocking to buy this <laughs> bestseller and movie, right? Yeah, somewhere <laughs> in there. Yeah. I'm just going to give it away. <laughs> Free on eBay. And how do you refill the creative well? I think I too often don't refill the creative ah. well. That's that's what I'm realizing is that, you know, between working and raising kids and writing and dog walks, um, dog walks actually do refill the creative well a bit. Um, and I think it's like a good lesson that like there are big things you can do. Like ideally, I'd love to go like, you know, right now be traveling through you know, South America for, you know, six months or something that would refill the creative well. I'm pretty Heck sure. Yeah. But, Heck yeah. Like, yeah, <laughs> I can't. <laughs> that uh so i think i you know i want to walk more i want to take more walk breaks i've, I've been reading about walking isn't that the ultimate <laughs> writing thing to do is like read about yes what have you been exercise. reading uh you know rebecca solnit oh yeah i'm deeply uh, into her book on walking and um oh you know the brain pickings the website uh -huh. brain pickings mm -hmm. She, she often, well, I forget who she's quoted, but, um, oh, who was it? Rousseau wrote a whole book I want to write, uh, oh. I think Reveries of a Walker. Uh, Wordsworth, you know, like he, he composed his poetry while walking. Walking was yeah. like a writing tool. And so, you know, it's interesting because when I do take a break and walk, it's amazing how, how that does refill my mm -hmm. creativity and helps me sort things out. And it's just such a, it just happens. It's not like I'm, you know, really exerting. Yeah. Yeah, I don't have to go try. And so I think I need to do more stuff like that. Uh, I think the one thing I do is on Friday nights, I uh, like to just sit down with a glass of wine and make uh, strange collages with, you know, the New York Times fashion magazine or whatever is lying around and just cut, paste, rip, whatever. That's cool. And then, yeah. And then, I, I, and then it, you know, little stray phrases or whatever come out of it. So what do you do with the finished collage pages? They just go in my journal. They're not meant for anybody. It's Oops. just like sitting down with images and, and playing with the materials. It's essentially like being a preschooler. Basically, I do this podcast in order to hear tips that I've never heard before. And I'm going to try that one with try the glass it. of yeah. wine and everything. I think with that the glass so of wine, fun. Yes. The glass of wine is actually crucial to that. Glass of wine process. and glue stick. Yeah. Yeah. I, I actually use like a lot of tape too. I like masking tape, different colored duct tape and stuff like that. Cool. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to do that. I'll get back to you. All right. Good, and good. On, I when I start a podcast, I'm going to interview you about this. Please do. <laughs> As the, I know that you are the executive director of NanoRimo, um, but on really bad days, if you could not write, if you couldn't be an author and you couldn't work for NanoRimo, what would you do? Yeah. Boy, um, you know, on really bad days, I have this weird thought. I'm going to give you two answers, okay? okay. The, the first one's sort of making fun of myself because um, I'll wake up and I'll be like, what on earth is wrong with being a plumber? You know, like plumbers get such a bad rap on sitcoms or everywhere, yeah, you know, true. like, 
you know, but I'm like plumbers, they get to go, they wake up, you know, they fix things. They fix these things that are really, really important. Indoor plumbing, like one of the most important technologies to ever come out of the 20th century. And, you know, I, I just always imagine they leave their days with this, you know, they with this great sense of gratification. You know, they've helped people. My plumber is a very happy well. man. He, he yeah. loves his job. Yeah. yeah. So I'm like, you know, why didn't I just decide to be a plumber? <laughs> um, on, on other days, you would do what? Uh, I think I might be a photographer. Uh-huh. Um, and that's not a surprising answer in a lot of ways, because I think being a photographer is very similar to being a writer, yeah. uh, that you're basically hanging back, sort of invisible, a spectator, taking watching. photos of people watching. Yeah. I also think I almost became a psychologist uh, 10 years ago. I went back yeah. to school and took some classes. And again, that's like very similar to being a writer yeah. in the sense that you're trying to understand character, understand how your mind works, how other people's minds works and hearing their stories. So in terms of I, being a base for a writer, you can't really get much better than that. No, I yeah. wonder, I don't, you know, I don't know many psychologists who become fiction writers mm-hmm. or I don't know of them. And so I don't know, maybe you get too deep in it. You know, maybe, maybe yeah. you're just so deep in the way the mind works that you can't take it to this, you know, other, other level. I don't know. But I think it's interesting, yeah. So, yeah, you like the voyeur then kind of thing. That's that's what I always wanted. I always wanted to be a a, a detective, like a, a background detective, ah, just backgrounding people. Kind of, you know, like the plumber comes in and sees the insides of people's houses. Yeah. I, I wanted to just background people and go talk to all their friends and see what the friends of friends say about them. Yeah, getting the story. That's great. And oh can you give us a quick craft tip of any sort? Craft um, tip. Let me think. Um I think one thing I think about a lot um, is since I started 100 Word Story um, and writing 100 Word Stories because they're these little miniatures, it's all about what you leave out or mm-hmm. a lot of it. What about you leave out? And I think as a novelist, uh, there's so much pressure to put in so much and to explain and connect everything. Um, and actually, uh, for your listeners, there's this great uh, essay written by Lee Child on the New York uh, Times drafts blog. It was from a few years ago, but he talked, it's all about suspense and all about like how a writer needs to decide what to leave out. Um, so more and more when I write, I think more about like, what can I leave out? Because yeah. the reader is going to fill in so many of those gaps. Um, so, and I, I don't know that that can be really taught, but you can just like, I think like while you write and especially edit, <clears throat> just really scrutinize um, what you can cut. Um, and I think that's partly because like as writers, we're always t- told and taught to write more, you know, more yeah. details and, yeah. and, and that, that's great. I don't want to diminish that. Um, because I, you know, I love those writerly flourishes and, and, yeah. and there's a lot to be said for it, but at the same time, um, yeah, think about what you can leave out. There's something so satisfying as a reader. And I was just looking over a journal the other day that about 15 years ago, I said this, um, I was writing to myself, telling myself to trust the reader because I was reading a book that needed me to fill in a bunch of the gaps. And it felt so good when I was reading it to be that yeah. reader, you know, yeah. honoring that, that, that intelligence that you know your reader has. Yeah, it's amazing how you, you know, when you describe a person in, in fiction, you know, you don't need those two pages of, mm-hmm. you know, how they, how they look physically. Because the reader really is going to create his or her own image of that character. Of so a couple yeah. of phrases, yeah. And so I think to really think about how, how can you write those couple of phrases and make them like really on point, you know, yeah. really telling. 
Um, just while talking about this, it made me think about dialogue too, because I think a lot of writers struggle with dialogue because they think it has to represent or mirror like real life dialogue, mm -hmm. which is actually usually really bad dialogue. If you take a transcript <laughs> of this show right now and read it, it'll just be like, what the hell were they? That's <laughs> Do totally they not believe in periods? <laughs> Yeah, oh, exactly. One exactly. One big <laughs> sentence with a lot of dashes. Um, but I think like your, your dialogue, you have to think about it as like a kind of point counterpoint, you know, mm -hmm. like, like it has to read like real life. It has to be believable, but it, it always has to create tension, you know, mm -hmm. and you can mm -hmm. do that in big and small ways. Um, and so I think that, that's one thing I really like to think about is how to write good dialogue. Oh, I love that. Thank you. And what would you like to plug right now? What would you like to tell us about? Hmm. What's going on? In the world, in, um, in the world of your writing, tell us about oh, my writing. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say NaNoWriMo. That, <laughs> NaNoWriMo is a given. All listeners yeah. oh, okay. we should be given. doing NaNoWriMo. Okay. Oh my. Okay. Yes. Uh, well, sign up for NaNoWriMo. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Please. But in terms uh, it's of great time to write a novel, Grant Faulkner Land. What, what should we look for? And what do you mean in terms you of plugging? Oh, a like book a book, book or a tap dance show or something like that. Exactly. Yeah. Do you have a tap dance show coming up? I wish. Oh, I really wish. Oh, I've seen you tap dance. Yeah, I, I'm a, one of the this. greatest amateur tap dancers in history. One of the greatest <laughs> tap dancers who's never had a lesson. Um, no, um, uh, you know, I've, I've got a few things going on. Uh, I think the, the next thing I have a collection of 100 word stories called Fissures uh, that was published about a year ago. Uh, I have a, a, a collection of essays on creativity that's coming out with Chronicle Books um, next fall of 2017. Okay, so, so all your listeners can go write on their calendars, you know, yes. like September 1st, Grant's book on creativity comes out <laughs> somewhere around there. <laughs> you can remember that. Uh, yeah. Uh, cool. Yeah, yeah. I can't wait to read that. Yeah. All right. You. Well, thank And you know what? Next year, I'm just going to have you back on and you can talk about what it is like having a book of essays on cool. creativity out there because you know i am I also working on essays on creativity oh good yeah um i've been doing that through the patreon for the last six or seven months that's so, right so. yeah that's right. so we should uh, compare notes then are you, are you gonna notes so i can there? steal some of your ideas i would like that yeah well that's exactly what i was thinking when i said <laughs> compare notes like oh, yeah, steal some of rachel's ideas um <laughs> are you gonna publish them as a collection yes. as well yes oh, i don't cool. know how i'm gonna publish them yet i'm probably gonna let my agent take it out probably yeah. or am i just self-publish i haven't quite decided yeah yeah. So, okay. But it's been good. fun. Let's do a, a co-book launch then together. <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> Chronicle would love that as your as competition sis next to you. <laughs> so I got half the ideas from Rachel. Anyways. She's scared. She's promised not to sue me. So and they publish my memoir, so they don't they don't hate me. Oh, yeah. okay, good. So. Plug that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Grant, for your time. Thank you. It's so enjoyable. It's a Take pleasure care. as always. Thanks so much for joining me on this episode of How Do You Write. You can reach me on Twitter, Rachel Heron, or at my website, rachelheron.com. You can also support me on Patreon and get essays on living your creative life for as little as a buck an essay at patreon.com slash Rachel, spelled R-A-C-H-A-E-L. And do sign up for my free weekly newsletter of encouragement to writers at rachelheron.com slash write. Now go to your desk and create your own process. Get to writing, my friends.